Welcome to Spirits Podcast, episode 26, The Hero's Journey with Misha Stanton. I'm going to keep it short this week, y'all. We are getting really meta with this awesome, awesome episode on the Joseph Campbell kind of heroes concept, our favorite heroes in various media from Legend of Korra to Alice in Wonderland to Frodo. It's really, really good. Misha Stanton is creator of the fabulous audio drama Ars Paradoxica and the audio producer of The Bright Sessions, which we have gushed about before, and the creator of which Lauren Shippen was on for our Stonehenge episode. So basically, we've got some audio royalty this week. The season two finale of Ars Paradoxica is on March 1st, so go on and get caught up before the break. Finally, a big thanks to our newest patrons this week, Megan, Thea, and Dennis. If you want to hear your name read on air next to these noble land selkies, our patrons, you can join us at patreon.com slash spiritspodcast. And our final and biggest thanks to our supporting producer-level patrons, Leanne Davis, Shannon Alford, and Phil Fresh. But now, gear up, get ready for Spirits Podcast episode 26, The Hero's Journey with Misha Stanton. Welcome to Spirits Podcast. We are here today with a special guest and audio wizard, Misha. Hello. Hey, Welcome, Misha. Misha. Tell I'm us so about excited. all of your projects. Oh, God. There's so many of them by now. Um, well, first and foremost, I am the co-creator and producer of Ars Paradoxica. Yeah, uh, We love Ars we Paradoxica. Love Paradoxica. So good. <laughs> I've been doing that show for six years now, Damn. Uh, even though it only wow. has been out for like a year and a half. You're um, like you're like a podcasting baby boomer. Right. Uh, I also am the audio producer of The Bright Sessions. I'm doing sound design consulting for a, an upcoming show called Otherworldlies. And I'm taking pitches for my next thing or two or three that will probably come out by the middle of next year. Nice. So good. So good. All right. So, Misha, uh, first off, what are you drinking tonight? Tonight, I'm drinking tequila and orange juice. Nice. Very good nice. Awesome. It's a very nice tequila. It's numbered, which I am told is a thing that fancy liquors do. <laughs> I, I know that scotch and like whiskeys do that. I've never heard of numbered tequila, but I'm super into it. This is two Not three zero nine four. Two three zero nine four. Small batch. Oh yeah, I think that's small batch. That makes okay. sense. Right on. Right on. <laughs> Thought you were talking like oh like fifteen year aged tequila. I'm like I don't think that's a thing. But I could be wrong. And I don't know how appropriate that drink is to what we're discussing, because I don't know what we're discussing. So what are we discussing? Oh, my gosh. Today we're discussing uh, The Hero's Journey. Yes. Ooh. The Hero's Journey, as we know, it was an attempt by a mythology uh, scholar, Joseph Campbell, to find the Ur story of humanity. The, the Love story that, Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that they tell over and over again. Um this came about uh, because he was a scholar in the 40s, right when uh, Carl Jung and Sigmund Freud were coming out with their theories of the mind, and he thought to apply mythology to theories of the mind. Yeah, that makes sense. You have so much uh, human stories to go off of. Why not, you know, yeah. apply it? So first things first, a little rundown of just what it is for people who don't know. The hero's journey uh, begins with uh, a hero... Usually they are uh, well-talented, but perhaps lacking something in their life. They are told to uh, go on a quest. They either accept or refuse the call to the quest and then end up going on it anyway. Um, I was thinking about Frodo when we when we describe uh, this journey because it, it is so formulaic and it is such a good example yes, of this kind of thing. Absolutely. Uh, Tolkien totally nails that shit. He does. Oh, I have a whole <laughs> list of examples. 
We're gonna get. You know, we love examples, Misha. We do love good examples. (laughs) Okay, so. Uh, so, uh, when they go on the quest, they, they encounter fabulous trials, uh, a decisive victory is won, whereupon a reward is obtained and then, uh, brought back to the community from whence the hero came to then bestow upon them the gifts of the gods. Nice. Nice. Uh, and that's pretty much the hero's journey in a nutshell. Uh, Joseph Campbell, um, looked at a ton of different religions. Of course, he started with... Uh, Christianity and Judeo-Christian myths. Of course. Uh, but it's the easiest to go to, I suppose. I mean, it's just the background. closest to home, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you start with what you know and expand from there. Uh, but from there, he went on to, he really loved um, Eastern religions and Eastern culture, so he applied it to um, Chinese myths, uh, specifically Journey to the West, which is like a yeah. big Chinese folklore thing um, that incorporates a lot of Buddhism and stuff. Uh, he applied it to um, Osiris from Egypt and Theseus and Odysseus from the Greek and Romans. Uh, Those talked- ones I know. Yes. Amanda yeah. goes, Amanda goes, oh, wait, I know that one. <laughs> um, he also talked a lot about Dante in Dante's Inferno. Of course. The, ca- yeah. the character of Dante, not the author Dante. Mm-hmm. That book yeah. confuses me. Um, no, it's, it's super weird. He's like, he's like doing some weird, uh, like political satire that no one gets anymore because it was political satire from like the 1400s. So everyone's like, ah, maybe, maybe. Well, Joseph Campbell really liked talking about Dante as a hero's journey. Uh, he also mentions the Mahabharata, which I hope mm. I pronounced correctly, uh, which is uh, close. An, an Indian myth. And also, uh, one I particularly like, because you guys just talked about it, is Maui. Maui's a big Aww, hero's journey guy. Yeah. We love Maui. We Heck love yeah. Maui now. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Just picture the rock in a big, like, cradle of hair, just in the ocean, just hanging, <laughs> just chilling out. Yeah. And then he goes on a quest to, like, be accepted by his family and goes through a bunch right. of trials. And then yeah, he does. W- wins the god's love and returns it to the culture of Hawaii. It's a nice hero's journey. You can do all of these stories this way, which is super cool. And then uh, what's great is that they don't include it in the book very much because he starts talking about all these cultures and then spends a bunch of time talking about Judeo-Christian myths and then kind of ends the book there. Because mm-hmm. um, the book was written in 1949. But since then, a bunch of scholars have picked up more modern examples of hero's journeys, uh, like nice. Narnia and The Hobbit and, of course. Yay. <laughs> and Alice in Wonderland, which is one of my favorite hero's journeys. It's such Julia's a good one. Too. It's such like a... All right, huh? we got to talk about Alice in Wonderland for a all second. Right, right, because right. Tangent, I tangent. feel like Alice in Wonderland, just it's not your typical hero's journey just because um, it's a little bit random in comparison. But when you apply it to real world scenarios, Alice, like it fits the journey so well. And all the archetypes are there just like veiled in a particularly interesting way. Right, the queen, way. the jesters, the, mm-hmm. you know, like villain. Like, the, the caterpillar as the mentor is, like, insane. Like, I love that concept. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I actually, I think the caterpillar is the belly of the whale, which is a specific oh, yeah. trial which lets them, which lets the hero specifically know the new rules by which they live in On the Road to Trials. I would also mm. say that the, oh, I'm forgetting the name of the thing, but when they're all running around in the circle... Uh, it's all the fish, not fish, uh, all the birds and stuff running around in the circle. Oh, the, d- um, the, the dodo. Oh, yes, with the dodo, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I also have written down here the Maltese falcon as a hero's journey. Sure. Uh, I remember that one. Which, sure. which, I, th- which I think, it's, a, it's like the modern example of like noir. It's like the staple noir classic oh, book. Okay. Yeah, and, like mm. classic detective crime thriller. Man, but, it's got but, that. But like noir as a whole also really ascribes to the hero's journey whereby... 
there's a call to adventure where the dame walks into his office. Yes. Mm, yes. Uh, and then a road to trials. Good where... use of the word dame. Good yeah, use excellent, of the word dame. Excellent dame. <laughs> uh, and then the the detective goes and finds clues, and that's the road to trials. And there's usually a meeting of the goddess somewhere where he gets betrayed by some femme fatale. And also has to look at and confront his own values and kind of realize that, you know, the values of the world are different sometimes and compromise is sometimes necessary. Like that's often, you know, kind of like the second or third act feature of the noir uh, story. Yeah, which is a big part of the hero's journey because Joseph Campbell was all about the hero's journey as a story we tell ourselves over and over as kind of a like a, a ritual that humanity goes through. Like yeah. transitioning from childhood to adulthood was big in the hero's journey. Which I think is super interesting because like we as people really like the concept of ritual. Yeah. Even if the rituals vary from uh, religion to religion or culture to culture, yeah. the ritual is always there it right is. it's constancy right. it's it's cultural capital that we carry and making us feel like we're at home wherever we are and i was actually thinking as you were describing the arc of the hero's journey so well that it's sort of like the kind of most basic case is is hunting right like you leave the enclosure the cave or the village you go out to face some unknown you you know walk through a maze and you have to have some kind of final encounter maybe you confront your morality that is it right or not to kill a fellow creature like you know you kind of have to like go through that and then you bring your reward back to the village stronger and wiser and a little bit more disillusioned for it the moment you said enclosure all i could think of was m night Shyamalan's the village come on julia <laughs> sorry <laughs> I'm trying to make a good reference here. <laughs> I mean, I just got distracted. <laughs> the village is a good hero's journey too. What's her name? Uh, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is a good hero's journey. Yeah, she I brings mean, back with, the, with a shitty uh, with a shitty twist ending for M Night Shyamalan, but still, well, pretty that's, good hero's journey. That's the boon that M Night Shyamalan <laughs> could have chosen to return with or not, and he chose to, and maybe we don't like him for it. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. Uh, spoiler alert! Hold on, spoiler alert! Skip thirty seconds if you don't want to. If you don't want to know, is that the one where they at the end of it, she's like at the side of a highway, and it's not olden times. Yes, exactly. It's new times. Yes. Interesting. You got it. You got it. Interesting. <laughs> Misha just looks so embarrassed right there. <laughs> she's like, this oh, is our friendship. This is oh, our friendship. Oh, and I Fuck. What were you thinking? <laughs> um, but that brings up the next thing I want to talk about, which is postmodern examples of the hero's journey. Postmodernism! Love yes. it. Heck yeah! So, so the postmodern uh, story of the hero's journey uh, really kicks off in the 1970s when who should stumble upon the book The Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell but George Lucas. Oh, George who Lucas, else? of course who you else? did. Who else? Also, just for context, a time of great upheaval in the like literary criticism community where things are being introduced like biographic criticism, for example, thinking about who the author was, the you know time period in which he or she or they were raised, you know, what their kind Unreliable of cultural narrator. context were, um, you know, and kind of taking into context, like, you know, what the author was thinking and how their life as a person might have influenced the work um, anyway, but all kinds of things you know, sexual and gender kind of based criticism, all kinds of cool stuff happening for the first time in the 70s. And also Star Wars. Also Star Wars. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what we're talking about. So George Lucas stumbles on The Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell, and it changes his life. He totally gets how movies are made and written now. So he takes the book and crafts a narrative around the book for the first time, as opposed to mm. fitting the book to narratives. That's so awesome. He, 
And yeah, it explains a lot about Star Wars. Misha, yeah. you have no idea how excited I am. I was like, oh, postmodern. I'm like, I'm not sure what he's going to pick. And then you're like, George Lucas. I'm like, Star Wars, yes, yes. Star, Star Wars. Wars. It's literally so, like cut and paste for the hero's journey. It actually is. He wrote out the script based on the 17 points of the hero's journey in the book. Wow. And it's the first time anybody did that. And of course, Star Wars went from like this weird esoteric thing that they thought nobody was going to like and turned huge. Hmm, I wonder why. Is there something at the bottom of it that's like universal to humanity? Hmm. Weird. <laughs> to be honest, Amanda, if you look at the um, interviews or like letters that the guy who played Obi-Wan Kenobi was writing during the filming, he's oh, like, yeah. no one's going to like this. It's a piece of shit. <laughs> he's just like a snobby British guy. Like, why am I in this? Fuck it. Throw it away. <laughs> but I mean, I, I watched Star Wars for the first time as an adult. No one is surprised. I missed everything good as a kid. You did. What's uh, wrong with you? And, and Eric and Julia told me, you know, don't think of this as like specific characters. Think of these as like archetypes. And like these are, this is like, you know, it's why they call it an opera, like sort of it's operatic, like there are types, you know, they are indulging or engaging in these like rituals that everyone can relate to. And through that lens, I was able to, you know, not be distracted by the lack of exposition <laughs> and the <laughs> super true. dramatic confrontations because it's a hero's journey. Mm -hmm. It surely is. And since then, Filmmakers and media makers in general, as media has evolved through the 70s up until now, have been trying to just do that right to the hero's journey instead of trying to, like, apply the hero's journey to whatever they wrote after. Ah. Um, so, like, I have a bunch of examples written down here, which is great. Yes. Um, Let's do it. So uh, the first one I have, you guys really like Harry Potter? Of we course do. we do. <laughs> See, I'm not as big a, a Harry Potter fan, so I like... Okay. Truer words have never been spoken. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Harry Potter, classic, classic hero's journey, where yes. the road to trials just takes, like, five books. Yeah. Seven, Seven. arguably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, so that one's just... It, it goes through the steps really well and breaks it out into a seven-part sectioning, which instead of three parts, which is what it usually is... Um, also, I have down here Avatar The Last Airbender. Classic of course. hero's journey. So good. <laughs> so, so good. Especially um, with the reluctant hero, no less. Like, that's such a good archetype that they really dive into. And he takes a while to come into his own, but he totally does in the yeah. end. And that's so that's so funny. As you're naming these examples, I'm thinking to myself, I mean, these are just stories, right? But, like, that's how ubiquitous the hero's journey is to those of us raised on media, you know, made in the 70s and after. That we just think, oh, just that's just a story, you know, where there's, like, a challenge, the world expands, a confrontation, it finishes, there's some resolution at the end. Like, that's not how all stories go. A story could be, like, she left the village and no one ever saw her again. You know, like, like it could be, you know, whatever you want. It's a lot of folktales, but, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm curious to me, Shiv, you have any examples of kind of um, famous works that go against or subvert this trope at all? Because when we think of twist endings, right, or we think of like things that are unsatisfying in some way, I'm sure if we interrogated that a little bit more, it would be, you know, things that deviate from that hero's journey ideal. Oh, I have a classic one, and it's the sequel to what we just talked about. Uh, Avatar The Legend of Korra? Yes. Is with uh, with our babe Janet Varney, who is a adorable just uh, human being in general. Bae. I think that that is the a really great example of ta someone taking the hero's journey and saying, "Okay, well what if when you were trying to do that, you just didn't do it?" Like what if you just missed <laughs> that step on the hero's journey? Like what what would happen? It's important to find uh the the stories that subvert the hero's journey because what you were saying before about how so many stories have it and Hollywood is filled with heroes' journeys, there's a reason. <laughs> and I'm about to spoil some Hollywood magic for you, so spoilers Do it. for that. So ready, so ready, spoil it. 
There's a book about screenwriting called Save the Cat. Awesome. It is a page-by-page breakdown of script writing for an hour and 40-minute-ish long movie that ascribes every single genre you've ever seen to the hero's journey such that it appeals to American audiences. I, I love and, and hate that at the same time. <laughs> I, I love how else to describe that. I love that it's possible. I yeah. hate that it is possible. <laughs> and most of the movies that you've seen that ascribe to a hero's journey, but like are not great movies, like not memorable movies, are pretty much Save the Cat movies. Hmm. Fair enough. I've read Save the Cat. It really spoils some of the magic of movies, but I'm also a theater technician, so I'm about spoiling Us the magic too? anyway. We, we feel that. Hey! Yeah. Amanda was a stage manager and lighting... And sound designer. Uh, and then I was a props mistress and techie. Oh my god! That's why we love each other. I got We're in, just each other's types. I got into podcasts because I was a sound designer who couldn't get work in live theater. Oh, <laughs> um, man, I went to finance. You're fine. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, you, you gotta, you gotta make a living. I was ushering a show yesterday, um, which I do just, you know, volunteers and usher A to C shows for free with B to, you know, get involved in theater in some way. And I miss it so much at some point, like I was um, in the house setting programs on the seats, you know, pre presetting it before the house opened. And the stage manager came on the um, announcement system and said, oh, okay, you know, doing a full blackout, um, you know, in 30. And I said, thank you, Blackout. And her head like whipped around like, you're one of us. <laughs> I was like, haven't lost it. Have my black on. Like, I'm ready to go. Fantastic. OK, back anyway, to tangent. back to Hero's Journey. Um, so Save the Cat is really what has driven Hollywood for the past little while. But there's also other media to consider that's come out in the postmodern era. What do you mean there are non-movie media? There's what like a ton of things. About? Uh, the biggest medium that has risen in the past little while is games. Yes. yes. Classically, D&D. A lot of D- uh, Dungeons & Dragons modules that Dungeon Masters run are just straight up heroes journeys that make the protagonists the heroes. Yeah, that's that's pretty legit. Misha, do you listen to Adventure Zone by the My Brother, My Brother and Me boys? No, Daniel Manning, who writes Ars Paradoxica with me, has been getting on my case to listen to that for such a long time. And I, I think just, you Misha, like it. you gotta. It's real good. There's Their too most many podcasts, recent... guys. I know, I know, I know, I know. There are. I know. But we, need, most we need a time turner like Hermione at the beginning of book three. Of our Don't daughter. even get me started about the time turner, okay? okay. Oh, no, we have what? such problems with it. Misha, we might record an extra about the time turner after this episode. Just awesome. saying. <laughs> Listener, this is future Amanda. We did record that audio extra. You can visit our Patreon, patreon.com slash spirits podcast to hear us get really fiery about time turners for like way longer than we probably should have. It's free. It's open to everybody. Go check it out. Patreon com slash spirits podcast um but yeah so they did a they're doing really good arcs right now and they're really delving into the characters backstories like before the um before the actual campaign, campaign started yeah. um and i just feel like you would really enjoy it because they're really diving into that hero's journey stuff it's really legit so but D is a really good one uh a game i played recently that has a really good hero's journey is betrayal at the house on the hill mm. uh, it's just a What's board game about? Um, it's about, uh, it's like a procedurally generated haunted house. Where if, you, like if you've ever seen Cabin Whoa. in the Woods, where there, there's yes. like the basement full of objects. 
Um, yes. There, that, the, the game is a basement full of objects where if you find a certain object in a certain room, it triggers one of 50 different endgame scenarios. So cool. That's it's really a, cool. Jake it's would a ton be of fun. That. Yes. Um, that, uh, that betrayal at the house on the hill um, usually sets off what in the hero's journey is called uh, the flight which is where mm-hmm, you yeah. get the boon, you get the boon, you get the knowledge, you get the object, and then, uh, like Prometheus with the fire, you have to run from what gave it to you. GTFOH, mm. as they say. Yeah. Nice. Um, and is there is there a trial in the return leg normally? Is that a uh, step? There can be. Um, in Betrayal of the House on the Hill, you usually have to either complete some ritual or kill the bad guy. Um, cool. But uh, like killing in, the bad guy is usually the return trial. Use that Kuba shell. <laughs> Send that Bowser off the edge. Whoa, of a that was platform. a reference that I didn't think you would ever make. Woo! Damn. All right. The single game I know. I see how it is. <laughs> you want some video games with Heroes Journeys? First off, Legend of Zelda. Of course. Legend of Zelda. Tell me about it. Any game in I know the Legend three of three men with Legend of Zelda, Zelda tattoos okay. in the same place. Of course okay. You do. Legend of Zelda are a bunch of differently themed games, all centering around a hero named Link who usually has to defeat some dungeons and collect some MacGuffins to bring them together to save the Princess Zelda from some bad guy. Okay. Uh, Each one has a different culture that Link comes from and a different world that it revolves around, a different gameplay mechanics, but they all center around Link, who is trying to save Mm -hmm. Zelda from a bad guy by defeating dungeons and collecting things. What's fun about The Legend of Zelda is um, The Legend of Zelda is all takes place in a singular world, but with different cultures, and they all include the same hero. So there's a canon that says, okay, it takes place at different points in time, and there's like a history timeline you can follow. But my personal favorite headcanon is that The Legend of Zelda is that world's hero's journey. I love that! Uh, That's so cool! That makes me so happy! Every culture has a different Legend of Zelda, whereby Link, the hero, has to save Zelda. <laughs> yeah, and we recorded an episode uh, the other day about Russian uh, heroes' tales mm-hmm. and sort of the the specifics of that culture and the various you know trials and tribulations that um, heroes go through. And it was again just like so ubiquitous; like any of the elements could be changed. It's like Mad Libs almost, mm-hmm. where the structure of the thing remains the same, um, and you can kind of toss in whatever is you know most relevant to you. Yeah. And that's the whole idea behind this is that this is the Earth story, the one that like adheres closest enough to virtually every culture, all human aesthetics mm-hmm. ascribed to this kind of thing, because I think it's what we want out of our own lives. In what way? I think that that you want to be told, OK, you have these skills. There is a one goal that you find out about that you have to accomplish. You spend a lot of time and a lot of effort completing that goal and you will come out of it better. Yeah, I think I think in the uh, it's very specific to the uh, the human idea that we want to have a simple concept. We want to just be like, you this is your goal. This is the challenges are. Yeah. And it's just easy to accomplish. And once it's done, it's done. You don't have to worry about it anymore. That was yeah, the one trial. Yeah, yeah, it's I over. Think- I think the important part is that is knowing that it's accomplishable, that whatever you want to achieve, you can do it. The, yeah. the, the human spirit of, of perseverance, yes, I think, is, I agree with is that. what it's about. Um, yeah. I, I think if like aliens came down to Earth and were like, OK, what are you, what are you about, humans? I would give them the hero with a thousand faces. I would give them the monomyth, the hero's journey. Be like, this is us. This is this what is, we do. This is what, what we, we want, go through. How we do it. 
it's sort of like the opposite of a casino. <laughs> like, okay, go ahead with that analogy. I'm so you, in. Trust me here. Trust me here. We're going on a little journey of our own here. It's like you want the confidence that instead of walking into a casino where you know that the odds are stacked toward the house, they're stacked against you, and that kind of no matter what you do, if you succeed, it's going to be against incredible odds, and probably whatever bet you play, you know, is going to end up poorly. Maybe you can sell off, maybe you can't, whatever. The hero's journey is like predicated on the fact that um, success is accomplishable and that, and that journeys are meant to be finished and that goals are meant to be achieved and items are meant to be won and princesses are meant to be saved. And I think having that kind of like base confidence in the order of the universe and the fact that like the universe might bend toward success uh, is something that we need to tell ourselves in order to live. Yeah, it's more satisfying. As humans, we like satisfying and like complete and closed endings. Right, and when it doesn't work, then at least you can say, okay, well, maybe that wasn't it. Like, you know, subconsciously, psychologically, you can be like, okay, well, I mean, well, that wasn't my journey. Then this was a step on the way to the journey. Um, and kind of always holding out hope that that, you know, final goal, A, you can identify it, which probably most of us haven't, and B, it's, it is within your grasp. It's a story that gives humanity hope, for sure. It's about persevering through the dark times because at the end, something is great. And whether that is, you know, working together to achieve things or... Uh, vanquishing some, death. Yeah, <laughs> vanquishing death. Or even living a pious life of quiet suffering so that you can have solace in the afterlife. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of that there. It's just... I don't know. It's the story that humanity tells itself in the dark to let it know it's all going to be okay. And that, 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 that is every story we've ever told. And like this hero's journey can be as small as just an errand, right? Like I need a bagel. I leave my house. The elevator isn't working. I take the stairs. I talk to the bagel guy. I need to give over hard one money. And so, like, someone in the bagel place makes a recommendation to you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> As the mentor. Yeah. And, uh, and then I get the bagel and I return home carrying the bagel of glory and bagel of glory and enjoy it. Fantastic. <laughs> I, okay. You, that's super micro and I really like it. And I can even have micro heroes journeys in my own life where it like, I want to cook dinner, so I have to gather all of the items and make the thing, and it becomes greater than the sum of its parts, and I meet the goddess and take the boon back, which is a full belly, and then I go back to whatever I was doing in my life. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of like it, too. Like, for people who, you know, struggle with mental illness, perhaps, or, you know, just want yeah. to kind of have a better, a better kind of or more conscious relationship to their own success and undermine their own self-loathing. Hey, what's up guys? Tweet me. Um, <laughs> Whoa, okay. I, I like this kind of um, lens on life as a series of little battles and accomplishments. Being able to look at daily moments, not as like the monotony of another hour of another day of another year of life, but as, you know, a bunch of little challenges that you rise to and accomplish. I think that's what the Pomodoro technique is about. Yes, a bit. Yeah. This time management technique where you sort of break up your day into, I forget the increments, but like 15 minute chunks and then two minute break or something or half hour chunks and two minute break. But like, you know, instead of looking at your calendar, you know, at 7 a.m. saying like, oh, my God, I have 15 things to accomplish and 12 hours to do it. You say, OK, what's the next 20 minutes? And like that is an accomplishable task. And you make each one a little hero's journey for yourself. 
Yeah, I, I like that. that. That's like really that. cute. Every also, moment of hero's journey. Also, how fun is it to think of yourself as the hero? I mean, we all do. We right? all have to be the heroes in our own stories. Yeah. Otherwise, it wouldn't be the real human experience. We don't want to be the villager who's like, see you later, Frodo. Or Actually, like, you know what? Work. I think I think bad things happen when people think of themselves as the the like victimized party of their own narratives. Uh, like I had a thing at work today where I was emailing with somebody who was determined to um, interpret my every uh, you know note as like a, a attack against this person. And instead of assuming that they were a hero that's going to fix this problem that we are both tackling together, they saw themselves as, you know, someone who is always being inflicted, you know, uh, by terrible things and is always victimized, whatever. And I think there is something very powerful in kind of choosing to be the hero and choosing to say, you know, I can sit here forever and, you know, hang out and just wait, or I can go after the thing that I am going after and close the loop on this problem, you know, and and tie off this narrative. While we're talking about... The micro things, I want to ask you guys, what do you think the macro one is? What is the hero's journey of humanity as a whole, as a collective, from the first, from prehistory to now to our future? Uh, vanquishing death, obviously. Yes. I mean, vanquishing death, <laughs> Kurt, Ray Kurzweil's on it. But like, you know, if if you think of humanity as a thing with this backstory and all of a sudden we gain sentience. So we had this special skill that maybe not other species had. Um, we were called to the adventure of knowledge of learning whatever we can in whatever ways we can gain it. And in such a way that it's sustainable for our lives or, and our future. Um, that's what writing is about. That's what history is about. That's what science is about math and literature, all of those things. I'm just, maybe I'm a little apprehensive about finding out what our critical moment is where we get like thrust across the threshold and have to like make that decision, make the life or death decision where like, what if crossing the threshold is global climate change? Like what if we're doing something to the planet that we need to either figure out how to stop fast with perhaps some outside help if we can find it yeah, or perish I think that one way to view this is that the hero's journey for humanity is knowing everything, right? Like if we, whether you look at it theologically that like our journey began when we made that, you know, consequential decision to, you know, eat the apple, to take the, the pill and the matrix, like, you know, how, whatever lens you want to put on it, you know, we gain sentience, as you said, and, and kind of, you know, embarked on this journey of knowing as much as we can about the world. And we started with the environment. We started with food gathering, with getting more control over how we, you know, use nutrients, whatever. And now kind of like one of the primary challenges of, of science is understanding the human brain and kind of like the, the final frontier of within as we also expand outward and look out to the universe. So I think that some of the final, the final kind of challenges for us is like one, you know, knowing our cells and our brains so completely that we can store and replicate ourselves, you know, onto hard drives and, and totally like recreate the environment and the human experience. Um, and I think at that point, you know, the choice will be, you know, is life worth living when you know everything? Do we have to create new virtual environments where we can change variables and, you know, kind of give ourselves endless new levels to play? Um, or alternatively, I'm reading the book Seven Eves right now, which is about the destruction of Earth and, and humans who have to kind of propagate the race in space. Um, and alternatively, you know, is our final challenge uh, surpassing our our environment, you know, our God-given Earth, however you want to put it that way, or the, um, you know, the, the globe that we have here to know 
know, um, maybe our challenge is, is ascending it and, and, you know, going beyond it. Interestingly, I kind of see it in a different way in that the hero's journey is a human idea and a human concept. So I feel like it divides humanity into these different tropes. So it's kind of understanding like the people, let's say climate change is our thing, like you suggested, Misha. Um, the people who are the scientists who are arguing, oh, this is the climate, uh, it's changing, we have to make these changes or else we're all going to die. Those are our mentors. Those are the sages. Those are the ones who are telling these stories. So we're rising to each individual challenge that we identify together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Interesting. So that's interesting because that makes the mentor, the goddess, the temptress and the hero all the same person, which is all of us. Right, exactly. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that we are we are the many faces. Humanity God. as a whole. Yeah. That's a cool self-reflexive way to look at it. That I really like that. That is cool. I like right. that, right? Or that or all of us have the potential to be those characters in everyone else's journey. Because like it's that's human. we've obviously kind of talked about this from the lens of like me as the hero, because that's what you identify with so, you know, directly. Like it's mm-hmm. almost it's almost hard not to identify as the hero when you read a text or see a movie. Um, but you know, every single day, like we have the opportunity to go out and be someone else's mentor, be someone else's sage, be someone else's antagonist, or maybe they're, you know, the the person who helps them get to that final mm-hmm. ascent. I, I sort of like that as a sort of, um, you know, radical hospitality uh, or kind of radical empathy technique um, to, to displace our empathy. own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Statement, right? To displace our own, you know, our own, I don't know, hero centrism of ourselves. Yeah. I feel like also, so um, Jeffrey Gardner of the Our Fair City podcast supposedly wears this shirt that says, don't be my obstacle. Oh. Which I feel like, you know, as human beings, we tend to be each other's obstacles. We tend we to be each other's antagonists and yeah. we have to kind of come together if we want to go through that hum- uh, that hero's journey in a very human way. We do. And like returning to my example of the problem at work I faced today, you know, I, I had a moment where I really wanted to write back a sort of snarky email, um, you know, refuting this, the thing that the other person said to me being like, I didn't cause this problem. I didn't make this thing mm. wrong. And, you know, making it about me, making it about the hero making clear, you know, what she didn't, didn't do, um, and absolving herself of wrongdoing, you know, charges of wrongdoing. But instead I, I kind of chose to be my interlocutor's problem solver. And I chose to write back and say, you know, okay, here is the issue. Like, just let the thing pass. And I think that in, in my own life, you know, trying to be more empathetic and uh, more helpful, um, and more hospitable to other people, that that's a really useful lens for, for me personally to take up going forward. Shit, Misha, you, you did well. <laughs> we got real, we got real chatty on this one. I like it. We went. Can you tell? Can you tell that Julie and I talk about death a lot when we drink? <laughs> we <laughs> really do. That's why your thing is a skull in a martini glass. I love it. I mean, yeah. Oh, that's. I didn't even put it together. It, it's true. It's true. Um, yeah. I mean, I. Sorry, I co-opted your spooky mythology folklore <laughs> no, podcast no, for like perfect. talking we about psychology and humanity. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> It was fun. Thanks. Thanks. Spirits was created by Julia Shafini and me, Amanda McLaughlin. It's edited by Eric Schneider with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Subscribe to Spirits on your preferred podcast app to make sure you never miss an episode. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr at Spirits Podcast. 
On our Patreon page, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, you can sign up for exclusive content like behind-the-scenes photos, audio extras, director's commentary, blooper reels, and beautiful recipe cards with custom drink and snack pairings. If you like the show, please share with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.